From Fortress Funds Managers, this is Do It For Grantly, a podcast where we speak with women and men in Barbados about their Grantleys and other money matters. I'm Kim Howard, Marketing Manager at Fortress, and my co-host is Omar Kennedy. Hello, listeners. An entrepreneur, author, and former financial manager. In today's episode, Make It Rain, we're pleased to have our first guest from across the ocean, Davinia Tomlinson. Davinia is based in London and is the award-winning founder of RainCheck, a company she set up to help women take control of their financial futures. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. So let's get to it. Financial security doesn't grow on trees. It's built brick by brick with smart investments and a strong partner. To retirement, education, and whatever your future may hold, we say, bring it on. At Fortress Fund Managers, we're not afraid of the hard work, long hours, or steady saving, just like you aren't. We know better than anyone that you can't just hope for good luck. Call Fortress Fund Managers on 435-7777 to build your personal fortress. Your future. Our business, Fortress. Hello and welcome to Do It For Grandly. Today's episode is called Make It Rain. And I'm Kim Howard from Fortress Funds Managers. And I'm Omar Kennedy from everywhere. (laughs) Fortress Funds Managers is a mutual fund company based here in Barbados. And we all we do is manage mutual funds. We've been around since 1996. And we offer a range of both regional and international mutual funds offering both U.S. and Barbados dollar investments. Now, people often ask, well, what exactly are mutual funds? And I'll let Omar tell us a little bit about that. Now, a mutual fund is an investment product which pulls together money from investors, which would be you, and it takes the money and puts it in one big fund. And that money is then invested in stocks, bonds, countries all over the world. The advantage to investing in mutual funds is this. You get to diversify. You're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. So if you're investing by yourself, you may invest in one stock or two stocks or one bond or two bonds. But through mutual funds, you're able to invest in hundreds or thousands of different investments at once so this way you to maximize your returns while minimizing any losses so it's a good investment we have at least 15 previous episodes ranging on topics from savings versus investing family money matters investing in your health um Productive investments and retirement planning. Those are just a few of the things that we've covered in previous episodes. You can always go and listen on our website or anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. You can find us there as well. And today we're really pleased to have a very special guest. She's a first-time guest here on Do It For Grantly, and her name is Davinia Tomlinson. Hi, Davinia. Hey. Hi, guys. Davinia is joining us from the UK. She is a champion of financial inclusion, a marketing and business development expert with over 15 years experience in the financial services sector. And she is also the CEO and founder of RainCheck. RainCheck is a UK-based financial services company focusing on empowering women to take control of their financial future. Fantastic. (laughs) Davinia, um, well... Tell us a little bit about RainCheck, and then I'll tell you a little bit more, too, about how I came to find you, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, so um, thank you, Kim. So RainCheck is, as you very expertly described, a new concept in financial services that's designed exclusively for women. So, um, you know, when I think about my background in investment management and financial services, you know, I started my career at one of the world's largest asset managers, Um, obviously managing trillions of dollars of assets under management on behalf of investors worldwide. And even at that very early stage in my career, it was apparent to me that 
the proportion of assets or money that was managed on behalf of female investors was negligible. And so, you know, in my 20s, you know, I knew that I wanted to work for myself. I knew that I wanted to work in finance and build a business in that space. Um, and, you know, it was important to me to do something to champion the cause of women and help them to address some of their, their challenges um, from a financial perspective. How I came across RainCheck, Omar, is, and is because I was, you know, I'm always looking out for more content and also for more information for Do It For Grantly. I really believe that there's a lot of information out there to be offered. And I think that this, this podcast gives us an opportunity to distill that information in a way that people can easily understand, particularly in Barbados, but anywhere that, you know, people have ears because the information we share is not specific to Barbados, but it definitely can help Barbadian listeners. And I stumbled across RainCheck maybe about, I don't know, about a year ago on Instagram. And so every now and again, I've been peppering our producer, Mel, with, you know, like, Mel, look at this. <laughs> and uh, finally, I said, well, when we, when we come back this year after our second season finished last year, that I would definitely want to reach out to RainCheck. And I'm so happy that you decided to come on board. One of the things that I really like about the information that you share and provide for your uh clients and and others is just there's a lot of research done there that at some point in Barbados I hope we'll be able to offer but right now I just see lots of information about women and how women approach finances and and it's usually based on other research that's been done not necessarily by you but you know other providers in the marketplace and it it is often very sobering you know, to see how um, women perceive themselves in the in the money space. And it's great that you're taking the opportunity to address some of that. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's great to hear that um, the content that we post on social media, first of all, that it's, it's reaching the people that we want it to reach worldwide. So that's very encouraging to hear from my perspective. But also that the information that we share, exactly as you've described, it transcends geographical borders because essentially... Lots of these trends apply to women right across the globe. And so it's important that, you know, to the extent that the information not only reaches people, but has an impact in informing their behaviours and, and prompting them to take action, that's really important. Agreed. And I, I, I believe we had a podcast a little while ago, and we actually discussed something similar, that the majority of the investing in Barbados is done by men. And even in households where, you know, there's a dad, there's a mom and their kids, the, the, the male is the one who does the majority of the investing. He's the one who's seen to be the person who should be taking care of this. And we're trying to change that trend as well, because as women become more au fait in the markets, as there are more female graduates out of the University of West Indies, you'll find there are more female breadwinners, especially now where there are more female grads than male grads. That is very, very important for women to champion the cause and invest because it seems that women nowadays have a more sobering view on the future and, and finance. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, Omar. And actually, I mean, I came across some research um, quite recently that pointed to the fact that by, I think by 2025, women will control more than half of the world's wealth. So whether that is through inheritance, <laughs> whether that is through inheritance, uh, whether it's through earned wealth, you know, as we get, we become more senior in our careers, um, you know, whatever the case may be, inheriting or being responsible for half, more than half of the world's wealth means that we have a great responsibility placed on our shoulders, not just with regard to thinking about how we invest that money for future generations and for ourselves, 
but also thinking about how we can really make an impact in terms of upskilling ourselves and plugging any knowledge gaps. And actually, you pointed to a very, um, a very powerful trend, you know, particularly, you know, when we think about the Caribbean region. So obviously, I'm based in the UK, but my background is Caribbean. So on my mother's side, we are from St. Kitts. On my father's side, we are Jamaican. So, you know, we straddle East and West Caribbean. Um, and, you know, Caribbean culture is generally very matriarchal. So, you know, many of us will be familiar with um, these strong and powerful female figures in our lives, whether it's our grandmothers. Quite often we speak very fondly of our grandmothers in Caribbean culture. Um, but all of us will be familiar with households that are presided over by women who are responsible for managing the purse strings on behalf of the entire household. Absolutely. And that's quite often even, you know, if, if a man is present, you know, quite often a woman is, is managing the household budget. And so, again, from a very practical perspective, it's important that she feels confident managing that money and that also any money that passes through her fingers is being invested in the right way so that it's not just cash transactions, um, but that at the end of the month and at the end of the year, she will be able to point to growing wealth and growing assets over a, you know, a period of time. I think traditionally, uh, like you said, in, particularly in the Caribbean, Caribbean situations or Caribbean households, you do find a lot of women who take the lead or are responsible primarily for managing the, the household's purse, purses. But the interesting thing about that is, I think that continues to be the case t to a large extent. Um, but the question of investing is another level, which I don't necessarily know if Caribbean women have readily embraced or confidently embraced. I came across a statistic that you posted on Raincheck recently about, and granted this would have been relevant to the UK, but I'm curious about how it would transfer here in Barbados or elsewhere in the region, where the it's a study showed that uh, 9 out of 10 women believed that their partners, male partners, knew more about investing than they did. And so there mm -hmm. you go, you almost create a self-fulfilling prophecy if, if you assume from the beginning that that's the case, because that's not always the case. And I can say that from talking to both men and women, you know, in my capacity as marketing manager at Fortress. Yeah, that's so true. I think, you know, one of the things that you hear all the time now is this talk about imposter syndrome, and um, particularly as it relates to women, you know, this idea that we... Um, we downplay ourselves and our abilities and in particular our competence in certain areas. Um, and, and I imagine, you know, when it comes to the world of finance, from a female perspective, it's an industry that is very alpha male. It's very masculine. And as a result, we feel like it's not something that's for us as women um, or it's a space that we should have um, any kind of interest or have a view on. And of course, for the reasons that, you know, some of the reasons that we've described, it's really important that we, we do have an interest. But also, um, you know, despite the fact that, you know, nine out of 10 women feel that their partners know more about finance and investing than they do, that actually isn't borne out in reality. So mm -hmm. there is research that shows that when women do invest, now this is not a competition, but it's important that I stress <laughs> this point, um, because when it relates to women's perception of themselves, if we feel that our partners know more about investing than we do, but actually the reality is that when we do invest, we outperform men by somewhere in the region of 2%. So we're talking 200 basis points outperformance of men when it comes to the idea of investing. That should give us some confidence that we actually, when we do do it, we know what we're doing and we have really good outcomes. The difference between men and women is that, and I think one of the, the challenges that faces women when it comes to investing is that if we don't understand or if we are not you know, if we don't see ourselves as experts or have um, 
a deep level of knowledge in anything, not just investing, then we are far less likely to do it because we are not going to jeopardize our own financial security or that of our children and our loved ones. Um, and so investing can feel like gambling for us because <laughs> we wouldn't necessarily understand. I think men, even looking within my group of friends, I think men are much more likely to take the gamble and say, even if I don't understand, um, because there's nothing to suggest that men necessarily have a higher degree of knowledge than the average woman. But I think where they don't understand, they have the confidence in themselves to say, I'm going to try it anyway. Less and, risk averse. Um, suffer the consequences either way. So I think, you know, all the evidence points to the fact that women are very diligent savers. You know, the gender investing gap is basically uh, highlighting that I think certainly in the UK, women are three times less likely than men to invest in stocks and shares. Um, but we do invest quite heavily or save quite heavily in cash. Um, so, you know, in terms of having access to an emergency or a rainy day fund, uh, we are quite responsible and conscientious when it comes to that. But I think it's just taking that step into investing that can seem frightening um, initially. Okay, I have a question. Um, you mentioned that um, women tend to outperform men in terms of financing and finances um, when it comes to investing by about 2% or t 200 basis points. Someone listening in may say 2%, that's not anything much. But can we talk about the power of compounding and how 2% can add up over the long term? Absolutely. I mean, when you think about some of the principles underlying investing, in particular compound invest uh, compounding, um, so... This is essentially the game changer that makes the difference when it comes to investing in stocks and shares in particular versus putting your money into cash. So if you think about um, inflation, so living in an inflationary environment where for every pound that you put in the bank a year later or two years later, that pound could be worth, I say a pound, you're in Barbados. <laughs> so let's say, you know, you put a dollar in the bank um, and a year later, that dollar could be worth 80 cents, and then a year later, it's worth 70 cents, that same dollar as a result of the eroding effect of inflation. If that same dollar was invested, the impact of compounding just means that you have the opportunity to outperform um, exponentially over a period of time. And of course, you know, the other, the one thing that I always stress about this is that investing has to be viewed over the long term. It's not something that you put your money into this Perfect. year and then within six months of a year, you've doubled your money because that is gambling. <laughs> what we are talking about is, you know, really um, taking a long-term view and having confidence that over an 18-year period, which is, you know, um, if you think of the, uh, as a child becomes an adult, over an 18-year period, stocks and shares investing has a virtual certainty. So we're talking 99% certainty that it will outperform cash savings over that period. So I think, yes, 2% can seem small, but we're talking about, so that's 2% outperformance of men, but that does not necessarily mean 2% outperformance uh, versus you putting your money into a cash savings account. So if the stock market returns 10% in that year, then it just means that you are doing to you know marginally better than your male counterpart and you should therefore have confidence in your ability to invest as a result um, and one thing that i always say when i speak to women is that don't allow the media in particular to fool you into these hollywood style you know massive peaks and troughs and crashes in the stock market and everybody losing their money and billions wiped off the stock market overnight these things are sensationalist headlines that are designed to almost seduce you into believing that investing is not for you. Investing is just for really smart people that work on Wall Street 
and they understand very complex investment structures when actually there is room for the average woman on the street to understand the difference between an equity and a bond, for example, and, and some of the other different types of asset class, including property, because I know in the Caribbean um, we like physical, tangible assets like property, but investing is an opportunity for you to get access to these different types of asset class. Um, and so it's important that we don't just think about these massive peaks and troughs because the stock market does smooth out over time as the research shows. I'm glad that you mentioned property because a lot of people that like you said in the Caribbean and in Barbados, you know, we talk about buying, a, owning a piece of the rock. You know, that's everybody's yes. desire. It doesn't matter that the rock is only 166 square miles and there's so many people and only so many people can own a piece of the rock, but everybody, you know, still aspires exactly. to do that. And this, I think it's significant for people because it gives them a, a sense of ownership and then B, the opportunity to have something that their family can have after they pass on. I wouldn't get into the fact that sometimes that becomes messy, but the reality is that that is part of the attraction for people owning something and also having something that they can leave to their children or other members of their family when they've, when they've left this earth. So the, that's important in terms of you know, having wealth to pass on. Why do you think that's important? Or why do you think we should consider that importantly for not only from a real estate point of view, but from investing in general? Yeah, I think, you know, when we think of women, and I guess it goes back to this point about um, our culture being quite matriarchal um, and thinking about, always thinking about how to support and uplift the family. And that is not just from the perspective of kind of emotional nurturing and child rearing and being that shoulder to cry on or that stalwart within the community upon whom people can rely, um, whether it's the church sister or, you know, whomever it may be, um, Obviously, we occupy that role, but also I think more fundamentally, we have a real opportunity and a responsibility to think about the financial security of future generations. And I know that this is something that we do consider. And your point about land um, and the fact that it's a finite resource is very, very important. I think, you know, I don't think enough people think about, you know, even the physical transfer of land, essentially, all you are doing is transferring a resource that already exists rather than um, uh, thinking of or conceiving of opportunities. You know, we can't create a, build, a bigger Barbados, just like we can't <laughs> build a bigger St. Kitts. The land is finite. So what we need to do, and when you think about investing, one of the principles, you know, we talked about compounding. Another important investment principle is that of diversification. So, you know, we're thinking about generational wealth and legacy and thinking, okay, what do I want to leave behind um, for my family, you know, do I want to support my children's education? Of course we do. So what will that cost? What does that look like um, for my grandchildren, uh, other members of the family, nieces and nephews? You know, what does that look like? And what, um, what can I leave in trust for them to, to help secure their futures? And, you know, we think about diversification. It's thinking nobody's trying to dissuade anybody from having the land. Have your land because quite often there'll be a family home or something. And it's important that that remains within the family as part of your legacy, but what else is there that we should be thinking about? So, you know, building out your portfolio to include, you know, some stock market investing or, you know, treasury bills or other types of asset class that just will mean that your investment is growing all the time, your nest egg is building all the time, and you can feel almost content. You, you know, you have this 
this sense of satisfaction, knowing that you're doing something on behalf of your family, but that you're doing it in such a smart way that it doesn't require your physical labor in order to generate that wealth. I think that's really important. I, I couldn't agree more. Definitely. Now, um, Davinia, I, I, I'm seeing something here about a pink tax. What is this and how, and how, does, it, <laughs> how does it hinder women from better securing their financial futures? <laughs> okay, so the pink tax um, is essentially the, the additional burden that women have to um, withstand from a financial perspective purely by virtue of being women. So um, there are a number of, of different gaps that I refer to when it comes to the pink tax. So the first one is the gender pay gap. Um, now, here in the UK, it, we're talking anywhere up to about 20% gap in terms of the salaries that are paid to men and women doing the same job. Now, of course, from one perspective, it's legal. You know, there is an Equal Pay Act in the UK that's been in force since the 70s. So really, that shouldn't happen. But a large part of that pay gap is attributed to two things. Number one, you know, we talked about imposter syndrome and the extent to which women will... Um, go into a meeting with their manager and negotiate a salary increase. I imagine Omar, for example, you're a confident man, you're confident in your abilities. Oh, thank you. When it comes to appraisal time, <laughs> when it comes to appraisal time, you will be able to confidently outline to your line manager what your contribution has been to the pre preceding financial year. Understood. I think as women, we will go into to our meetings with our line managers and we will kind of half say the, the good things that we've done but we will dilute it or neutralize it by talking about all of our development areas and all of the things that we need to improve upon for the next year and as a result we will not get the salary increase that our male counterparts might get so that's part one of the gender pay gap the second part i think which is linked to what i call the motherhood penalty is the fact that obviously physiologically as women we have to take time off the uh, out of the workforce to have children um, when we go off and have those children, obviously that has a corresponding impact on our earnings. And, you know, we've talked about the long-term impact of investing and that we should take a long-term view. That, um, as you can imagine, if you're taking time off to have baby number one and then baby number two and three, and for some people, baby number four and five, <laughs> um, each time you're taking time out of the workforce, then you have a loss of earnings. And there is no way of really recouping that loss um, unless, you know, you might have a side hustle. But ultimately, you're doing very fulfilling work. You are out, out of the workforce because you are raising children. Um, but that is a tax that we will effectively pay as a result of not working and earning an income. So that's number one. I think the second one is the gender investing gap, which we talked about, which basically points to the fact that men are three times more likely than women to invest in stocks and shares. And then that has an impact um, on the extent to which we are making the money that we work very hard for to work for us, because that's ultimately what investing is designed to do. And then um, the other things to mention when we think about um, the retirement savings gap is that now there's a, a statistic in the UK here, which is that women, and, and actually this is a worldwide phenomenon when it comes to women outliving men. Um, so, you know, women generally, demographically, we live longer. But in the UK, we, uh, the average UK woman retires at 65 with a pension pot, one-fifth of the size of the average UK man. Could you say that again? And when you can... So, the average UK woman retires at 65 with a pension pot, one-fifth of the size. We're talking 20% of the size of the average UK man. What? So his pension, yeah, exactly. 
Wow. So that's exact. So if you imagine that the average baby girl born in the UK today is um, something like 75% likely to live to 100. So we're talking 35 years to live on a pension pot that's 20% of the size of, you know, her brother or her, you know, her cousin. Um, it really means that for many women, we will be plunged into a state of pension and poverty. And these are some of the, the characteristics or the factors that make up what I call the pink tax. You know, that is so that is so radical because even if the, the lady has a child, her son, when he retires, can be doing better than she can after she's retired for such a long time. That's ridiculous. And I think all of the, like you, you mentioned essentially four points that contribute to the pink tax, um, gender pay gap, motherhood penalty, and gender investing gap, and then the fourth one being the retirement pay gap. And I think the preceding three all feed into the fourth one because if you're earning less from the very beginning Absolutely. and you, you know, you have, you're penalized in whatever way in terms of promotions or other things are overlooked because you, God forbid, had to help propel the human race further. And then you are continue to not invest, you know, you continue to save hard, but you, but you don't necessarily take that money and make it compound and work for you. Well, then obviously you're going to have a smaller packet at the end of the day to put into a, a, a pension. Um, so it's it's very sobering, and it's something that I think it it helps it helps you know more women to be aware of at least to me to to try to see what they can do in addressing some of those areas to avoid ending up in a situation where you outlive your husband but you don't have half as much or what you said something like twenty percent you have twenty you have twenty percent of what he would have had to live had had he continued to live exactly do you do you think this and, and you know we don't want. To- Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, we don't want to dwell on um, the, the negative aspects around this because, as you rightly say, it is sobering. But I think the upside for us is that having some awareness of these factors gives us the power to do something about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I think uh, one of the challenges that I think uh, many of the women that I speak to face is that you can often quite find yourself sleepwalking into a situation without having the awareness and the knowledge. And so... Being empowered with this information means that you're now compelled to do something about it. You can no longer pretend that you, you don't understand or you don't know. You have that awareness and then you need to figure out what you're going to do about it. Now, the thing about it is, um, I, I, it's interesting that we are so averse or, or, or fearful of investing because women do get the concept of a long haul. You know, women are the ones who will put down their little bit you know, my, my, when I think of like my grandparents, uh, my grandmother in particular, you know, how, you know, put, put aside every little bit. She had a very strong, strong commitment to saving and to things like meeting turns. So those traditionally, at least in the sphere that I've operated in, have been very much male dominated. So women, women get the long haul. It's just to, to transfer that approach of, you know, applying the commitment to, all right, I want to do this thing in a year. I can put the money in the meeting. And then when it's my turn, is my hand or, you know, a partner, whatever it is that you may call it. Exactly. Um, you're ready to do the thing that you want to do because you've been putting aside that money. Some do it weekly, some do it monthly. So it's just to transfer that knowledge and that ability now to something else that can compound for you and allow you to you and your children and whoever else to have something to look forward to in the future. Uh, absolutely, Kim, because I think that's why what Davinia is doing is so important, because women, we have the, the women have the passive information 
about this is going to turn it into active information and do something about it. So that's why places like Fortress Funds is so important that they can come and invest in a mutual fund take some of the money which they've been putting under their blanket you know put it in a rock in the in a hole under the ground and actually make the money work for them in the long run absolutely it's um based on you know your experience with rain check and over the years would you say there's a particular type of female investor does does a certain woman fit the profile that's a really good question and it's one that i get asked quite often because of course when i go out and speak to women new prospects um that are looking to come on board with rain check quite often they'll say to me you know one of the reasons why i haven't invested in the past is that i feel that i haven't earned enough money or you know my salary isn't high enough i don't have enough in savings you know why would anybody consider me a good candidate for investing and the response that i always give to that is that the beauty of investing is that you start where you are and you do what you can because if you wait until next month or next year effectively again you know coming back to the principles of compounding and importance of taking a long term view you have potentially lost um it could be hundreds it could be thousands in lost uh returns that you might have generated in that time that you decided not to invest so i think it's really important that women don't immediately discount themselves on the basis that they don't consider themselves to be super high earners I think the other thing is to say you know this industry has been shrouded in secrecy for such a long time and has also um been viewed as the preserve of super high net worth so millionaires or you know entrepreneurs business owners people that have amassed a massive amount of wealth and it's linked back to my first point which is that the idea behind raincheck and particularly when it comes to female investors is that this is about financial inclusion this is about democratizing access to the financial services industry and creating space for women and for people that have historically felt excluded and felt like investing wasn't for them so when we think about an ideal uh female customer or female investor investor the only thing that i would say is that you know there are certain, there's almost a hierarchy of um of actions or considerations that any investor male or female should be taking and when we think about women in particular you know we've talked about how diligent we are generally as savers you know from going back to uh, generations in the past our, our grandparents our parents and so women are very good at having a, a rainy day fund as i say and that's very important that you have that in place that you have some emergency savings in case something goes wrong something happens at home and you need um a reserve of cash or if the unfortunate happens and you should lose your job it's important that you have a, a cushion of cash which i would always say is somewhere in the region of 3 to 6 months of your salary so that you are you are kind of protected to some extent from any unforeseen shocks that might happen but i think beyond that point and assuming that you don't have a high level of debt because the only other thing that i would suggest that precludes anybody from taking that first step to investing is if you have a high level of credit card debt for example or you have um loans or you know other big debts that are generating a high level of interest i think it's important that you prioritize paying those down first outside of that and assuming you've got your rainy day fund in place then the ideal candidate in terms of female investors is anybody it is it's the women that are listening to this podcast it it it's the friends that you have within your circle your aunties your sisters our loved ones who view this as not for them it is for them 
And it's important that we get that message out there about it being for everyone so that we can all maximize the benefits. You're quite right there. And I can't agree with you more, especially as it pertains to, you mentioned credit card debt, which is something that we've touched on in previous episodes. And I know that I've you know, I've talked to quite a lot of young women as well who are very intrigued by credit cards, right? Because there's only so many things that you can order without one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that online life is very seductive. But similarly, they, they're, they're not aware of other things that can be happening with their money. Yes, you know, you, there are things that you want to own or purchase. But at the same time, will those things be around given how I, I, what's the word I'm looking for? How things, how things generally don't last. Are those things going to be around in 15 years' time when you need the money to pay down on a house or something or if you else? Get Ill, or if you get ill or you lose your job. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it's, that's, that's, that's important for us to remember and something that Davini has pointed out and we've talked about before in terms of just managing debt and particularly credit card debt. Um, and the, the point that you've made is, is a great one that anybody is a great investor uh, candidate, essentially. Absolutely. Right, Davinia, we've talked a lot today about a um, number of different areas that women should consider in terms of investing and the importance of it. But could you just reinforce for us why it's critical for women to invest for their own betterment? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, one of the things that we touched on that is particularly powerful is the role of the pink tax, as we've discussed. Um, and the implications of that for, for women's financial well-being um, over their lifetime. So I think it's really important that for women just to have an awareness of some of the, the challenges that they might face and to factor that into their life planning. I always stress that thinking about your financial well-being shouldn't be something that you consider as any different to any other aspects of your wellness. So in the same way as we might get a personal trainer to help us achieve our fitness goals, it's important that we think about seeking out professional expertise um, and whether that be seeing a financial advisor or speaking to somebody within your group of friends or your circle that understands investing and can guide you along the way. That's really important. So your financial fitness is as important as your physical fitness when you think about your overall well-being. Um, so, you know, there are points of vulnerability in in anybody's life, but particularly as a woman, you, you know, when we think about, you know, we live longer than men, um, in, in the unfortunate event of divorce situations, for example, women can quite often be um, far more heavily penalized than anybody would ever appreciate. I think, you know, we're so used to, again, the sensationalist headlines around uh, separations and divorces from celebrities. And, you know, this image of the gold digging stereotypical woman or this power woman, they are just that, they are stereotypes. And so it, because of the vulnerability that women will face um, from a financial perspective in those situations, um, as in many others, you know, if unfortunately your partner should pass away, as he's likely to do so before you in later life, we really need to make sure that we are well equipped to understand our, our own financial security um, not just for ourselves, but for our children um, and the rest of the family. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. Uh, I think that's a great place on which we can end. And I just want to remind all of our listeners, this information has been useful you know, for us to understand uh, the place of women invest in, in investing. But it's also true for anyone, both men and women, that it's important to start now. 
it's important to take control of your debt to make sure that you manage your debt properly so that you too can be part of the investment um, picture in life. And help Agreed. outpace inflation as time goes on. Absolutely. And the most important thing uh, we believe is that it's never too early or too late to start investing. No. Please go ahead. Go down to Fortress Fund. <laughs> they have a new office um, that's in Colmarock. <laughs> yes, it is. A new office in Colmarock <laughs> is fantastic. It's beautiful. You know, go down there, speak to the awesome um, pers- ladies and, and guys down there. Start investing. Start investing today. If you can't invest today, save some money. Go and invest tomorrow. Make sure you get your money in there. Your future will thank you for it. I mean, the one thing that I would just conclude on is, and I saw this somewhere, probably on Instagram, um, but it basically said the day that you plant the seed is not the day you eat the fruit. I oh, I like that. that. I like that. Yeah. That is a metaphor for investing. Okay. And life. Yes, yes definitely. For is. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. The day that you plant the seed is not the day that you eat the fruit. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, today we had Davinia Tomlinson here with us from Raincheck in the United Kingdom. Thank you again, Davinia, for being here with us. And in our next episode, we're looking forward to speaking to Matthew Future Ashby of the Dream Real Agency. Dream Real is a full-service creative and entertainment agency inspired by the spirit of entrepreneurship. I hope that you'll be here to join us and listen to Matthew share his journey as well as tell us about his life as a millennial investor. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening. Do It For Grantly is a production of Fortress Funds Managers. You can listen to and download all our episodes in all the good places podcasts are available, including SoundCloud, Google and Apple Podcasts, TuneIn and more. Or on our website, fortressfund.com. That's fortressfund.com, where you can also find this episode's show notes, explaining all the financial terms we mentioned in the show. Remember, let us know what you think about the podcast, this episode, or other money matters. You can email us at info at fortressfund.com or send us a message on Facebook or Instagram at Fortress Fund Managers. Most people find out about podcasts through recommendations, so spread the word and tell your friends about our show. Until next time, I'm Kim Howard. And I'm Omar Kennedy. Thanks for listening.